As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's up, everybody? It's Bo here. And that's right. It's another House of the Dragon TV talk. We got episode three, second of his name, which is kind of confusing. This is the third episode, but it starts with the word second. If you're dyslexic, it's really messing you up. Anyway, we make a major time jump in this episode, and I think that is a good decision, all things considered. As I mentioned last week, the whole age difference of all of these different marriage pairings and everything is uncomfortable to say at best. Uh, and so jumping ahead to when everything's kind of been smoothed out and now we got babies, it, I, you know, it is, it is what it is. It, I think it's, it, I'm glad they did that. That that's really good. And in, in the time jump sense is what I'm glad. Of. Anyway. So yeah, so we've got, uh, the King and he's kind of dealing with the fact that now he does have a son, which he didn't think he was going to have. And, uh, of course he's named Renera heir and I, you know, he's a good guy when it's all said and done. I mean, like, you know, he wants, he wants to stick with his word. He's putting forth his daughter. Everybody's putting pressure on him to switch it to his son. He's not wavering in that, but you see the way that all of his counselors are trying to manipulate him. Like we know from game of Thrones that the idea was that the Targaryens kind of went back and forth. They were either crazy or they were kind. And Venerys seems to be a kind king. Like he, he does want to do what's right, but he's also a little bit more simple in the sense that he's not stupid per se, but he's also not like a, like a strategic thinker, someone who kind of thinks with his heart and feelings and that sort of thing. And uh, we see all of his counselors coming together to try to take advantage of that. It's interesting because everything that we've seen from uh, the Stark dude that's on his council has been kind of like, oh, that guy's kind of a jerk. But in terms of everybody that is kind of coming to bring him counsel, I thought that the Stark dude actually presented with the most reasonable 
offer or the most reasonable explanation. You know, we see with uh, Renera though, she's not really having this. She's, you know, she's going to be shooting for her own hand. You know, she, does, she doesn't want to be forced to marry. It's a little bit of a trope. You know, the princess doesn't want to marry who people are telling her to marry. It's a trope. It's a trope. She's a, she's a Disney princess. But ultimately, that is the duty of all these royal folks is that they've got to kind of marry to stop wars and to kind of get political treaties or to buy a bridge or what have you. And so part of kind of the the job description is, you know, you got to you don't have a whole lot to say when you want to get married or who you're going to get married to. And yet at the same time, the king is really trying to, like, leave that door open so that she does have the ability to choose. So that it doesn't have to be a strategic pairing but it does have to be a pairing because we got to shut up all these people that are around us that are putting all this pressure on our family now it's interesting because at the beginning of the series the big concern was that there's not really a good path of succession here and the reality is now we've got kind of a lot of paths of succession because aside from the fact that we've got uh Rhaenerys, who's the direct descent or the direct kind of next in line for the throne we now got baby Aegon and so he's he's chilling he's he's here as kind of a backup should anything happen to her and we also see that there's another baby on the way that's three children ladies and gentlemen three children and I think that's kind of the, the Targaryen way right they always have the dragon has three heads there's always three kids so we got three kids I don't know maybe there'll be more with the way these time jumps are going, we might come back and Aegon's like a teenager next week. Who knows, who knows what ends up happening? We also see that Daemon, or uh, Daemon? Daemon? Demon. He's over across the sea uh, with the sea snake. They're battling off with the crab feeder. Uh, it's not going very well, which is surprising to me because you'd think with when you got dragons on your side, wars kind of end pretty quickly. But the crab feeder, kind of true to his symbolic uh, creature of which he has based a lot of his life choices. Uh, he keeps, he kind of comes out, he strikes and then he crawls back into the sand. And so dragons aren't really worthwhile underground. And that seems to be the reason why they're having such a problem with the crab feeder and his kind of, you know, a uh, group of radicals. We see when Damon comes into the, the, you know, the field of war, he doesn't really care about his people. Like, you know, you see the soldier like, yeah, save me, my king. And he literally gets stepped on by the dragon, just communicating even further that Damon isn't really a man of the people. He's not really care. He doesn't really care about even the people he wants to subjugate uh, or, or be the ruler thereof. He just wants power. He just wants his birthright. And you know, who cares who he's ruling or who cares about uh, these peasants? They're all pawns in his game. Even later on, when his brother is like, hey, you know what? I don't want you to lose. I don't want you to die. I'm sending some ships. What does he do? He like freaking beats up the messenger. Like, Damon is a jerk. He is a jerk. Dragons are cool, though. I mean, like, you know, it's undeniably awesome seeing the dragons fly into battle and everything. And, you know, it's pretty cool. He does succeed by the end of this. Uh, they do end up uh, taking the crab feeder, cutting him in half. I thought maybe he was going to, like, raise up that little Mardi Gras mask that he wears, but apparently not. Uh, be cool if we uh, we see that as like a trophy room type situation. But theoretically, this is going to let him become uh, the king of the sand people. I forget the sea people. What, what what's the deal? Like he he gets he gets something right. He becomes the king of the salt shore. I can't remember the names. Anyway, point is. He's now got some kind of royalty that he himself has now earned as opposed to been born into. And that is going to be kind of a quintessential chess piece move for him. He's kind of the precursor to Daenerys, right? Like she went across the sea, became a ruler over there, gathered up an army, conquered a bunch of cities, came over here, tried to take Westeros, failed hard. And so maybe we're seeing him do the exact same thing, but maybe he'll succeed. Who knows? I mean, I guess somebody knows. It's all textbook. Like all of this stuff is spoilers somewhere, but I have no idea. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it, it all plays out. 
a lot of symbolism this episode with the hunt and the hunting of the stag. Now, for anybody that watched Game of Thrones, we see the king getting drunk, going on a hunt. This is obviously going to bring up uh, images and memories of Robert Baratheon and, of course, how he died by boar on a hunt or <laughs> died by being drunk trying to hunt a boar. Uh, and 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 thus getting sliced to smithereens. We see specifically Rhaenyra goes toe to toe with a boar and walks away. We see that the king uh, goes after a stag, doesn't find the one that he's looking for, goes for the kill shot, misses, then gets the kill shot, then walks away sad and depressed because his desires, like this kind of perfect ideal, you know, message of the gods and everything, it's all coming together. It's not, and it never was, and he knew it wasn't. Everything's a mess, and he's aware of this. Meanwhile, the true heir goes and meets up with the other true heir, and they run away free. And so, like, there's a lot of symbolism that's going on here. And I'm actually curious. I'm, this is one of those uh, scenes and sequences. I'm looking forward to actually seeing what other people's kind of takes are because I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of different interpretations on what that might mean. You know, one of the things I do with these minis is I never watch any uh, videos. I never listen to any other podcasts. I stay off of Twitter. I want to share my thoughts completely fresh that have not been tainted by, you know, oh, we all hate it or, oh, we all love it. No, this is just my my hot take. So, what you're getting from me is exactly what I'm I'm thinking, but this is definitely an episode that I'm I'm looking forward to kind of diving in and, and ga- gathering some other thoughts and kind of interpretations on some of the more symbolic nature of what we see here. So yeah, overall, really solid episode. Enjoyed it. Looking forward to seeing what comes next. Would love to hear your thoughts. Head over to tvtalk.fm for all of our contact information. You can also follow us on Twitter, Twitter at tvtalkfm on the Twitter. That's going to do it for me for today, but until next time, I'll be back in a flash. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.